Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Merry Christmas, City Walk Church. How are we doing tonight? Come on. Well, I'm, as Cherie said, my name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so thankful that you're here tonight. Whether you find yourself uh, someone who's been following Jesus for a long time, or maybe you're here and you're kind of investigating faith, you're not really sure what you believe, we're thankful that you've taken some time out of your Christmas Eve to come and celebrate uh, Christmas with us here. And so thank you for being here. Uh, this time of year, and you, you hear this uh, in movies, you hear this in songs, but this time of year is talked about as the most wonderful time of year. Uh, it's talked about, and, and it's, when, you, when you hear songs, they tell you that during this time of year, you're supposed to have peace, uh, you're supposed to have hope, you're supposed to have joy, and, and we sing about that, we hear songs about that as we go to, to different stores, and, and, and we continue to hear this, and, and, and during this time of year, you, you watch movies, and all the relationships turn out good at the end. The, your, your two favorite characters in the Hallmark movie, they, they end up under the mistletoe at the end of the movie, and they do it again and again and again, the same plot over and over in all 50 movies. But, but that's, that's what happens, and, and you watch these movies, you hear these songs, and, and you, you hear about how things are supposed to be great, but in the midst of all the greatness and wonderful time of year and how it's supposed to be, probably some of you, if we're honest, during this time of year, have questions. Because in your life, the, the peace and hope and joy that you hear about, the, the things that you watch on TV, the way things work out every single time in the movies, you look at your life and you don't see that. Things don't turn out well and aren't going well, and 2019 hasn't been a banner year. And you find yourself maybe even bringing more questions to this season and, and more kind of wondering to this season than anything. Maybe for you, it's you're not sure if you buy into the whole Jesus thing. And you know how, man, everybody talks about Jesus during this time of year. Even people that, that really aren't followers of him, they kind of talk about him. And, and for you, you're like, I'm not really sure what I believe about this Jesus guy. Maybe for you, it's, hey, my life hasn't gone really good this year. And so I, I'm just not sure about a lot of things. Well, Here's what, what you need to know about Christmas is questions and wondering didn't start in 2019 during Christmas, but have actually been a part of Christmas since the very first one. I mean, just imagine your first century girl named Mary, you're in middle school because that's basically the age she was. She was this middle school age girl. Her name was Mary. She lived in the first century. And she, her parents had kind of worked out a deal with this guy Joseph's parents that she was going to be arranged and kind of promised to him. And so she was a part of this arranged marriage, which in our society you think, man, that seems so weird. 
And then you have daughters and you think, actually, that may not be that weird. I don't want my daughter to end up with a wacko. So, you know, maybe, maybe some of that might actually work out. But, but this is what was going on. So you think about Mary and, and she's arranged to be married to this guy, Joseph, who's several years older than her. And she has questions, I'm sure. And then you have Joseph, and, and he's, he's a little bit older, and, and he's you know, going to be marrying this girl named Mary, and, and so I'm sure he's bringing some questions to this, the whole scenario as well. And, and what's interesting is both Mary and Joseph found their kind of framework for life in being a Jewish person. So, so you know this about your life. You have questions about life, and your questions come from a certain framework. It might have been the religion you were taught as a kid. It might have been how you were brought up. But, but you were, your questions come from a certain framework. Well, for Mary and Joseph, it was they were Jewish people. And so from as early as they could remember, they were taught about how God had chosen them as a people group and how God was going to bless them as a people group. But Mary and Joseph find themselves now about to get married, and their life looks a lot different than what blessing and favor seem to look like because they're being oppressed by this country called Rome. And from as far back as they can remember, they've been taught that there's this deliverer coming. That there's somebody that's going to come, that's going to redeem them, that's going to that's settle the score, that's going to be their rescuer, and yet there has been 400 years of silence from God. They haven't heard anything from God for 400 years. And so you, you just imagine what questions they might have had. Maybe they were if, if were, if they were being honest, maybe they were thinking, has this God we've grown up hearing about? Has he abandoned us? Because it seems like he's, he's at least silent. He hasn't told us anything. And is this whole thing just a big legend that one day there's going to be a rescuer? Because it seems like that's never going to happen. And so I'm sure they had questions. But then all of that changed when middle school age Mary was visited by an angel. And Luke chapter 1, it's... Says, says it this way, it says, as Mary is just kind of minding her own business, all of a sudden this angel appears to Mary and says, greetings, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Imagine, imagine being this girl. Like we, we, we kind of know the story, even if you didn't grow up in church, you kind of know the story. And so for you, like, yeah, angel, Mary, shepherds, wise men, but middle school age Mary sitting in her living room and an angel shows up in her living room and says, Mary, you are highly favored. You have been chosen by God. And I'm sure Mary immediately had questions like, are, what, are, what are you doing in my living room? Why did I get chosen? Why me? Did, did you, there's nothing special about me. In fact, she's very surprised. The, the very next verse says it this way, her response, Mary was greatly troubled at the angel's words and wondered, like, what questions came to her mind? I mean, after she kind of picked herself up off the floor, I mean, what questions came to her mind right away as this, 
this angel's telling her, Mary, you are highly favored. You are God's chosen one to be the mom of this Messiah, this rescuer that you've heard about all of your life. You're going to be his mom. And, and what happens over the next few verses is the angel kind of expands a little bit and says, hey, you're going to have this baby. His name's going to be Jesus, and he's going to save his people, you, from their sins. He's the one you've been waiting for. And then Mary, just her response, she, in verse 34, she's like, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, like, angel, I, I need to, you, you probably already know this, but I'm a virgin, how in the world am I going to have a baby? And what in the heck am I going to tell Joseph? Like on our next date, am I supposed to sit down with him and say, hey, by the way, pregnant, but it's God's baby, so don't sweat it. That, that, you know, that, she's got questions. And, and the angel, she kind of goes on and, and explains it to Mary and says, in verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Basically, Mary, what is inside of you, this baby, is from the Holy Spirit. Mary, the, the very thing that is causing you to question that is, is really the epicenter of God's greatest work. This very thing that Mary is, is, has you wondering is actually the thing God's going to use to do His greatest work. You, you and I probably, if you think about it, could probably relate a little bit to Mary. Because don't we have times in our life where we question what God's doing in our life? There's disappointment. There's some dysfunction. It's not going the way we thought it was going to go. And so we're not sure how, how the past's going to end up. And, and many times the thing that we're disappointed about, the thing that's dysfunctional, the thing that seems like it shouldn't be happening, God's saying, that's the thing that I'm going to use to get the greatest glory. The, the thing that you wish wasn't there is the thing that I'm going to use as a catalyst for my greatest work in your life. And that's what he's saying to Mary. Mary, this thing you're wondering about? This, this thing that, yeah, you should have questions. I know this blows your mind. You have to know this is the thing I'm going to use to do my greatest work. So a few months pass. She has the conversation with Joseph. I'm sure Mary and Joseph, over the next few months, they have several of their questions answered, but probably a lot of new ones surface. God comes to Joseph at some point in that, and he reassures Joseph that, hey, yes, this baby is really from me, and, and you need to marry Mary, and, and it's all good. This is going to be the Savior, Jesus. And then all of a sudden, as Joseph's kind of okay with that, he has that information, all of a sudden, the nation and kind of the government says, hey, I need everyone to go back to the city that they're from, kind of their heritage, and I want you to go back to your city that you're from because you need to be counted so we can take your money. They, there was a census. And, and so everybody had to go back to their city so that they could be counted so that they could then pay money. And so imagine this. Imagine these questions. Mary was a good sport on this whole thing. Because Mary, the Bible says it this way, is great with child. So... Some of you have been pregnant before. 
and some of us haven't been pregnant before. Uh, but, but if you have a wife that's been pregnant before, then you know there comes a point in that pregnancy where they are really ready to have that baby. They can't sleep at night. It's like, you know what? The cuteness, the funness, the nursery and all that, that, that that's all put together and all the cuteness of being pregnant's done. And now I just don't fit into any of my clothes, even the maternity ones. And I'm at a spot now I can't sleep at night. It's time to have this baby. And that's where Mary is. The Bible says she's great with child. So what does Joseph do? Hey, babe, we're going to take a trip. You actually get to ride on the donkey the whole trip. And uh, we'll, we'll go, and I've got a nice place for us when we get there, though. And so they go to Bethlehem, and Joseph, he doesn't do his homework or whatever, because there ain't no place for them to stay. And so they get to Bethlehem and find out that there is actually like a, a cave kind of stable thing that they can crash in for a few nights. And so they find themselves in Bethlehem, this middle school girl with her to be married to husband Joseph, and she literally goes into labor, and that's where we pick up the story. It says this in verse 6 of Luke 2, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. What's so interesting to us is God chose to go to the outsiders to announce his son's birth. He went to the shepherds. And so these angels come to these shepherds, and, and they say in verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. See, if you have interacted with the church or you've interacted with people that call themselves followers of Jesus, and if you haven't, and if their message to you hasn't been good news, then you got kind of a knockoff version of the message of Jesus. Because when the angels came to the outsiders in society, the shepherds, they said, hey, this message that I'm going to give you, this is good news of great joy for all people, for the religious, the irreligious, for the black, for the white, for the gay, for the straight. This is for the Republican, the Democrat. This news I'm going to give you is good news of great joy for all people. And if the news that you've heard when somebody's told you about Jesus hasn't been good news, the message has been messed up because this news is good news. And so the, the angel goes on and, and tells him what the news is. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So this, this angel, he tells, hey, this Savior's going to be born. And then I love how this ends. Mary, just a young girl, watching all this happen, she just ponders this. She's taking it all in. She's treasuring the moments. She has questions probably that aren't answered and won't be answered for years. But she's taking it all in and really pondering it in her heart. And from what we know, Mary did as good a job as she could raising Jesus just like a normal kid 
We're not sure, but, but history tells us that probably Jesus' dad, Joseph, at some point in his life was, died because we don't hear about him when Jesus is older. But this, this baby that was born in this manger that Mary just kind of was part of that whole thing there in the stable, 33 years later, Mary would stand at the foot of a Roman cross and she'd watch her baby boy, who was no longer a baby, he was 33 years old, and she would watch him as he was taking a beating from Roman soldiers. He, she would watch as her son, a crown of thorns was put on his head and, and his head was bleeding. She would listen as people in the crowd were mocking her son, were spitting at her son. And she would watch her son, this son that she had been promised, this son that the angel had told her about, this son that she had laid in a manger just 33 years older, or 33 years before, she would see this son on a cross give his life. She would see her son's body taken off the cross and put into a borrowed tomb. And then a few days later, she would peer into that tomb and she would not see her son's body because her son, who was born in the manger that gave his life on the cross, would three days later get up out of the grave and rise from the dead. And Mary would see her resurrected son. She would feel his embrace. She would remember what the angel said, that he was going to be Jesus that would save people from their sins. And Jesus was exactly what the angel told Mary. She was, he was the Savior of the world, but he was her Savior. Imagine kind of when the dots started to connect for Mary. She had watched her, this baby be born. She would watched him die. She had seen him and felt his embrace as a resurrected Savior. And she remembered all the things the angel had said earlier. That this Jesus would come and save people from their sins. Did she still have questions? Of course. Was there, were there things that she probably wondered, like for the rest of her life, did she get every question answered? Probably not. But what she knew, what was most important, she was crystal clear on, that her son, who was a baby, died on a cross, rose from the grave, just like the angel told her it would happen. Paul said it this way, in Galatians chapter 4, he said, but when the right time came, when the right time in history came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. See, the reason that Christmas brings good news is because God has done something in history. This is not something that has just been made up. This is not something that's just a legend. No, God in history, you can look at history books, you can look at archaeology, you can look at a lot of different sources, and there was a baby born in Bethlehem, just like the angel said, that baby grew up, that baby died, rose from the grave, hundreds of people saw him after he was risen from the, from the dead, and because God did something in history, we have a resurrected Savior, and so that means that any marriage can be resurrected, that means any dream 
dream, any brokenness can be resurrected. And if God chooses not to resurrect it, he has put a date on it when it will end, when it will expire, because he says one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, every, every hurt, every pain will be washed away. One day he promises that because this baby went to a cross, died and rose from the grave. And so that's why whether you're somebody who is, you would say, hey, I'm kind of far from God. Or maybe, maybe this year has been a year when, man, you have been closer to God than you've ever been. There is tremendous hope at Christmas because of Jesus. And here's what's inter- interesting. Because this it brings you to a spot like, man, this is great. Man, Jesus born, died, rose from the grave, all that's great. But, but what, is, what does he want? Like there's got to be an angle. What is, what's God want from me? Is there a list that I'm supposed to keep or what, what's it look like? Here's what God wants. He wants a relationship. He, he doesn't have a list for you to keep. He wants a relationship with you. And honestly, the relationship God has with you will transform you much more than a list could ever transform. And that's what he wants. And in fact, what he's done is he's taken away all the barriers. He's taken away all of the things that, that, that would get between you and him. The Bible tells us in Romans 5.8, it says, God demonstrated his love toward us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He, he took the sin. He took the guilt. He took the shame. He took everything that was an obstacle to a relationship. And here's what he's saying. I did all this. Simply so we could have a relationship. And so, so here's the question. And here's something that, that you, you really need to think about. What are you going to do with Jesus? If he did all of this simply so he could have a relationship with us, what's our response? Maybe you would say, Chris, I, I kind of grew up in church and kind of after high school, kind of walked away, and honestly, it's been a few decades. Maybe for you, you're a student right now, and you, you look at your life, and you think, man, this last semester kind of, kind of made a lot of bad decisions, things didn't really go well, and, and I'm not really sure what God thinks of me, and I'm not really sure what I think of God at this point. Well, well here's what is it's important that we know, and here's what Christmas demonstrates, no matter where you are on your journey of faith, it's simply this. God decided he was for you before you had the opportunity to decide if you were for him. Let me read that again. I want you to think about this. God decided he was for you before you had the opportunity to decide you were for him. Because when he came at Christmas, he came knowing your baggage, what it would be. He came knowing your mistakes, what they would be. He came knowing what would be your past that you're ashamed of. He came knowing all of that, but he still came because he wanted a relationship with you and me. And so tonight, as we close, this Christmas Eve, Jesus invites you into a relationship. And this isn't a relationship like, hey, add Jesus to the tool belt, and if everything else doesn't work out, then you got him as an option. It's not like that. 
It's not a relationship that, that means that, hey, you, you, once you get everything cleaned up, kind of get all your ducks in a row, then you can kind of come and, and, and have a relationship with Jesus. It's not like that. It's simply coming to God and saying, hey, God, I've blown it. I've, I've done things that have disrupted my relationship with you, God. The Bible calls that sin. I've, God, I admit that. It's, it's just admitting that to God and, and then believing that when Jesus came and died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that not for just everybody else, but he did that for you. He did that because you and I were the ones that deserved to be on that cross. We deserved to be the ones bleeding and dying. It was our sin. And he says, you know what? I know you've messed up. I know you've, you've kind of jacked up the relationship you and I have had. But I actually went to the cross to pay the penalty for that sin so we could have a relationship. And so it just leads us to a point where we have to decide. Am I going to come to Jesus and say, Jesus... I'm coming to you. I want to start a relationship with you. That relationship will transform me, but it will also give me a home in heaven. Or you can choose to say, you know what, Jesus? Man, thank you. Man, we got this holiday all based around your birth. Thank you for that. But you know what? I'm going to kind of go my own way and kind of do my own thing. And, and when I die, I'll just kind of take care of my own sin. We all have a choice. And so if you're here tonight and you would say, Chris, tonight I want to start a relationship with Jesus. What better night to start a relationship with Jesus than Christmas Eve? How, how would you do that? Well, would you just in your heart be willing to admit, God, I've sinned, I've messed up, disobeyed you. God, I believe that, that you died, you rose from the grave for me. I believe that. And tonight I'm coming to you. I just want to start a relationship with you would you be willing to say that to God? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we, we close. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here tonight and you would say, Chris, on this Christmas Eve, I've, I've come into service tonight, and honestly, I'm a little bit skeptical of this whole Jesus thing. Or maybe you're the person that, man, everybody thinks that you have a relationship with Jesus. You come to church all the time, but, but there's never been a time in your life when you have stepped over the line of faith and accepted Jesus as your Savior. Well, tonight you have that opportunity. In the quietness of this room, would you just, between you and God, would you be willing to admit to God that you're a sinner? Would you be willing to admit to Him that, man, I've blown it. And then would you believe, would you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for you? And then would you just simply tell, tell God, God, I want to start a relationship with you. If, if you would like to do that, then I, I just want to give you that opportunity. just want to give you that opportunity in the quietness of this moment on Christmas Eve to talk to God. Maybe you've never talked to God before, but just in the quietness of your heart, not out loud, would you just tell God what you believe in your heart? We call that prayer. Would you just in the quietness of this room, just tell God, God, I admit to you that I've blown it. I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. Just tell him. Would you tell him that, man, God, I believe. I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross and raise from the dead for me. And then just invite Jesus. Jesus, tonight on this Christmas Eve, I want to start a relationship with you. Come into my life.
save me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here tonight and you would say, Chris, tonight, just in the quietness of this Christmas Eve service, I prayed and I asked Jesus to start a relationship with me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if if that's you, and you would say, yes, tonight, Chris, I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me, would you just slip up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you, but you'd say, tonight, Chris, I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me. Just slip up your hand. Anybody else? Just say, tonight. And put your hands down. Dear God, I thank you for those tonight that just on this Christmas Eve said, tonight I want to step over the line of faith. I want to start a relationship with Jesus. God, I pray for them now that they would take some next steps, that they would uh, just really begin to walk with you and just watch how you transform their life. Lord, I pray for those of us that already have a relationship with you. I pray that this Christmas season would not be a season where we just hear the same story and kind of keep going on with life, but I pray, God, that this would be a season that we remember with gratitude and humility that God came to earth because he loved us. And would that push us to love and serve other people? Thank you, Jesus, for coming to earth. In Jesus' name, amen.